0: Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yerko, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio
1: station.
2: Wade at Tabor of Lockport scored a four-pack of auto show tickets, which starts the 10th and runs through the 19th at McCormick Place. Always one of the highlight events of the year, love the auto show. Visit ChicagoAutoShow.com for tickets today. We'll give another pair away tomorrow. And, of course, Wade knew that the correct answer to the question, yeah. what is the correct ignition time, on a 1964 Bel Air Chevy with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four-barrel carb is four degrees before top dead center, which is very easy. Everybody knows that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, who doesn't? Who I doesn't think know that?
1: First-year auto. I mean, I mean that's, that's first-year auto shot. that's car. where I learned it. Of course. Isn't this the theme for it? Come on down to the car show. No, that's the, the boat car show. Dude. No, it's the car show. Stop oh. All right, the that's boat the boat show. All right, I got you. The boat so show, show
2: The boat show. I love
1: the car show. Yeah, the auto show is always. We talking to Courtney? Oh, uh, 30, thirty minutes. minutes. We're, We're going to talk to Courtney right. in thirty. Lovely.
2: You can stop calling now. You can't win the tickets. Wade already won, but we will Wait give on. away another four pack of auto show tickets right. tomorrow. By the way, breaking news, and it's not just Mike McDonald taking the job in Seattle. The uh, Ravens, D.C., the, uh, the 36 years old. Congrats. Mazel tov. It's incredible. Mazel. Breaking news next Friday. Right. I'm sorry. Ex- I scratch that. Next Thursday. Next Thursday. A week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. As we get you ready for Super Bowl weekend, we will be doing our first... Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's our second live event of the year because we were out before week 18 right after the new year. But we're going to be out for our second live event.
1: How about that?
2: We will be at one of our favorite stops, Twin Peaks in Warrenville. 29-degree beer, Carmen. Yes. So you can come hang with us for the show noon until 3 next Thursday at Twin Peaks Warrenville. Special live edition of the Carmen and Yurko program. We hope to see you there. So I just wanted to get that out Yeah, there. we will be
1: there. That's next Thursday. Live. Three hours. You know what else is happening next Thursday? Three hours. Yes. Do you yeah. know what next Thursday is? Next Thursday is Prince Spaghetti Day. Nope. nope. I think Wednesday's was Prince Spaghetti Day. Well, you might be right, but maybe next Thursday could be a special one.
2: Next Thursday is the trade deadline in the NBA.
1: I And y- usually you take
2: this day off, and Jesse Rogers and I work this day. A tip to the NBA for next year? Yeah. Look at the NFL schedule before setting your trade deadline.
1: Yeah. This would be, this Thursday would be a good day. day. or
2: Right? Or the Thursday after. Or the Thursday maybe, after. Maybe
1: any other Thursday wow. on the calendar. Thursday when there's no games on that weekend, you could have that Thursday for sure.
3: How long is it going to take you guys to say that the Bulls did nothing? <laughs> well, and, and also, like, next Thursday, I'm... I guess I'm not following. You so you it's think because week. Okay, when's the Super Bowl played? Sunday. Oh, come on.
2: Yeah, what do you man, mean, come on? It'll dominate all the news. No, no, no. no, no. I'm not
3: saying it's not going to dominate the news, but Everyone's going to be sick and tired about talking about the Super Bowl by the time we get to Thursday of next week. I, know. I will guarantee that. So so know talk well, we've, we've, done, we've done this before. But I'll tell you how it works. There's though. always fatigue that sets in. Then it ramps back up on Saturday and Sunday. Travis Kelsey will moon a helicopter, and that will be front-page news. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the NBA is uh, fighting an uphill battle against the NFL no matter where they place it, but I think they'll have more eyeballs than, like, say – the Monday after the Super Bowl? Right. like I Well, I wouldn't do that either. So
1: somebody, uh, this is another headline that I foresee happening. Somebody will see, receive the NFL Man of the Year award and then get caught in a brothel the uh, night before uh, the game. That'll throw it all I mean, it's it. nothing but excitement. These things have actually that is excitement. happened at the I like Super that. Bowls. I mean, that has kind of yeah, happened Yeah, that before. has happened at a Super Bowl. Or somebody... Uh, makes a run for the border, for and ends up in Mexico. Not a good thing. Knee deep in uh, whatever one could be knee deep in in Mexico. Never a good thing. And uh, miss the game.
3: Yeah. Well, you know,
1: these things happen Super Bowl Sundays, guys.
3: Well, maybe I, I'm I just right. surprised. Maybe. Like, do you, you really oh. think that Super Bowl coverage on Thursday is going to take away from NBA trade deadline? What oh. we'll take away from it is if I no th- one gets moved. I don't know, man.
2: I, I If I'm the NBA, I'm doing it. It just, to me, doesn't make sense. Like, so what, the NBA
3: just shouldn't have a season until football is over?
2: Mm, that sounds about right. <laughs> I don't know. I would, well, It, it was week it, it, a big rivalry week. Weren't you guys watching over the, the weekend? Like, like, who cares about the NBA trade deadline next no, week? what about the Maybe NCAA tournament? Can we
1: have another one right there this week? Let's have a real quick tournament.
2: Maybe it's because, like Adam said, the Bulls won't do anything. I, I guess if they do something, we'll be interested Maybe I'm looking at it through the lens like, they're not going to do anything. Why should I care about the NBA trade deadline well, next you're, looking the at, Super Bowl? you're
1: looking at it through the lens of every other NBA team that looks at the Chicago roster and sees caca. Crap. Not the Brazilian midfielder. Not according I'm to. I'm talking about what comes out of the back end of a, a horse. Not, not according to Kendall Gill. But yeah. he's throwing out, like, warnings again to Bulls fans. Oh, warnings. Warning, Will Robinson. What 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 exactly is Kendall oh, boy, the thrill go like, warning us? About have I missed
2: something? Like, if the Bulls won playoff series with Zach Levine, like what
1: what have I missed? Because, boy, again, last night, what was Kendall giving you? I'm going to be, be honest. Here you go. At the halftime and at the post game of a, a Bulls game, it's hard enough to watch. Look, the Bulls were lousy in the they second half last night. Yesterday, like I, you know,
2: they they were lousy. In, yeah. They scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. I don't know. They might not have had a field goal in the last five minutes or something. It was pretty ugly. They lost to a Raptors team. That, let's face it. 118-107. Right? So the the best player on the Raptors had a bad game last night. The other two best players on the Raptors don't play for the Raptors anymore. They've been traded. Yes. Uh, Pascal. <laughs> right? My guy. And Anobi and Siakam have been traded. Like Siakam. So the best player had a bad night. And the other two best players aren't even Raptors. And then R.J. Barrett didn't play, oh and the boy. and the Bulls still lost. But like, oh boy! But they have Kend- uh, Dennis Schroeder. They do have Dennis Schroeder now. But like, Kendall throwing out these warnings, like, like to who? I'll, here, I'll, I'll play. What? I'll play it for you. Give me you know, some They, of they know
4: how to win. Okay, that's why I'm surprised. This and you know, all the people talking about, you know, we need to trade Zach Levine. Let me tell you, man. Zach Levine had he been in this game against the Phoenix Suns, had he been in the game against. This Toronto Raptors team. Had he been in the game the other night against the Portland Trail Blazers, these games aren't even close. Okay, because Zach Levine is going to provide us with that scoring last six minutes. What the way we didn't we didn't even score a field. No, it wasn't a field goal made for six minutes made. and thirty four seconds. Okay, so so all the people were screaming about you know trade Zach this night, you, you better think about that. Yeah, he's got a very marketable think about that, marketable right? skill. Let Put, me tell you, putting the ball in the hole. When I went to Charlotte Hornets, uh huh. Okay, they draft Larry uh, my, my rookie year. It was tough. Okay. When they drafted Larry Johnson, I'm like, oh, it's a lot easier for It's a lot easier. When well, The next year, they draft on Martin. Oh, it's real easy now. Right, right. Okay? Now you got Dale Curry on the other side. You got Johnny Newman and all these guys that can score. You want as many scores on that floor as you can possibly get. And when all of you guys get in sync, now it's tough to beat you. Mm-hmm. Okay? So be careful what you wish for. I don't get it. Uh...
2: By all accounts, there's not a team in the league that wants Zach Levine. Now, maybe that's got something to do with his contract. Like, Jason Goff's right. He does have a skill that is intriguing to teams, and that is the ability to, to put the ball in the basket. Like, I, I kind of understand. I, like, I get that. But this idea that, like, be careful what you wish for, and, like, no, by all accounts, nobody wants Zach Levine. As Sylvia's pointed out, he's got the worst winning percentage in the history of the NBA. You know, minimum threshold of games, obviously. As a player, yeah. Yeah, like 250 games played or something. He has the worst winning percentage. Hard to put that on one guy, but it does make you... And, like, just watching his career at the Bulls, doesn't it kind of make you go, how much does this affect winning? How many playoff series have they won with Zach? How many playoff games have they won with Zach? Is the answer... One?
1: I wouldn't be able to tell you. Isn't it one game, guys? They've won one.
2: Yeah, they've never won a
3: series. They've they've won won one game.
1: I believe it's one game. Did they win a play-in game? They did win a playing
2: game. That Those doesn't don't count. That, that doesn't I, count. I
3: know, but that's its own yep. special category. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want to count that. It's only special category of mediocrity. And speaking of special categories, they didn't even win a game in the in-season tournament. Yeah. No, they didn't. Well, like they, they I mean, that's listen, brand new. Let's be fair. There's not enough games well, to really be able to. It's a new opportunity uh, to, to a promote, promote something.
1: Yeah,
2: their <laughs> record. Promote crap. Con- Can't draw a conclusion. <laughs> their record this year without Zach is still a game above 500. Their winning percentage with Zach on the floor is 400. So I I guess I'm like, what should we be afraid of if the Bulls trade
1: Zach Levine? Should I be afraid if the Bulls next week trade Zach? Well, you'll be out of the plan game then. Is what uh, I think you're being warned about right now by the NBA pundits. Would you guys like Chicago Bulls? Would you? Are you shaking in your boots as Bulls fans? Like, God, if
3: if they trade Zach, what are we gonna do? No, and and I think. What I find interesting about the piece of commentary is that if you've watched this team without Zach, I don't care that he's more talented than Io Sumu or Kobe White. The effort that those two give on a nightly basis, I'd much rather watch them try and develop right now than watching Zach out there playing hero ball, getting his. See what I'm saying? Like, Zach is clearly a more talented player than oh, each sure, of them. sure. But the effort and the development that IO has had over the course of this season—it's fun to watch. Do they win a lot? Not necessarily. And is this going to get them to the playoffs? I don't necessarily agree with that either. But I'd much rather watch those two try and learn and develop than watching Zach out there. So I don't—you got to move them if you can move them for anything. That's if you even can. Well, that's the problem—is no one wants him, which is a. Uh, true statement to what his actual value is around the league is nobody wants him. And I don't understand because the last time you played a clip from the post game show, they were kind of saying that the, the reports out there that nobody in the league wants Zach Levine are not true. Yeah. Okay, well, Joe Cowley's been reporting this since what, November? Uh, Casey Johnson's confirmed the reports. Brian it's Windhorse. not just Windhorse. It's not it. Windhorse or Woj and Shams. It's not the big dogs who are national guys. Our local people here on the scene have been constantly reporting that he has no trade value around the league. And so I don't know what they're talking about with that.
2: I don't either. I just don't. I don't. I mean, to be like warned. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, haven't we seen? There's enough what, proof. Like what it is, like, yes. yeah, it just it's it's surprising to me. Uh, I
1: don't. Well, yeah, like, I just do know hope, why you go
5: there. Let's like, hope it, it,
1: somebody's willing to give something. Right, that's what you gotta hope for.
5: No, um, I'm the opposite. You want to keep them? Um, no, no, no. I just, I just want chaos on this. I'm done with this team. Oh, thank I'm you. done with this thank team. You. I just want chaos. Like, don't trade anything. What would, what would make, what would piss people off the most? Not doing anything. Not There's doing no
3: apathy is already set in. People I don't know, care. It's
5: ridiculous. Like it's just people don't stupid. care.
3: I feel
2: like they've even lost C-Red Fred a little. Last time I heard C-Red Fred with Waddle and Sylvie. Well, you he's start- delusional to begin
3: with. Well, but if you start losing C-Red Fred, you got an A you you uh, problem. 7th championship wellness. and yeah. all that stuff. Is but he like, still doing that? that? And,
5: and like yeah, growth and development is fine, but like they want to trade for they want to trade for a team that's still going to be able to compete. And it's like well, what are you doing? Well, I don't. They're that's, not
1: competing. I think they need a wellness check on Right Said Fred. Yeah, like the playing tournament like is that really
2: competing? I no, it's
3: know. not.
2: You know, and, and the Heat are a little bit of a weird, quirky story. I wouldn't, like, try to model yourself after the Heat because I don't know that anybody can replicate that. You know what I mean? Like, the Heat were in the playing tournament. They went to the finals. But the Heat, are, the Heat are weird in a way that I don't think anybody else can replicate. You guys know what I'm, I mean by that? First of all, the Heat are in their worst. I think they're in their worst losing streak of the Spolster era. Well,
3: they have like, better players and they draft better than the Bulls do.
2: Well, for sure. They've lost seven in a row right now, though. they got their own little issue going on. But, like, the Heat will be fine. They're they're always scary in the playoffs because Jimmy – and they're the Heat. Like, Spolstra's a great coach. They're well run. They draft and develop guys well. Chris is right. Like, Jimmy's a – you know, like, Jimmy's going to just turn it up in the spring anyway. Like, I don't know that you can really replicate them, so to say. I don't think – if I say to you, like, are they really competing anything or is any team, if you're in the play-in tournament, well, what about the Heat – the Heat are kind of weird. They're their own unique, like, lovable weird. I wouldn't try to do what they do because I don't think anybody else can. You you know what I mean? Like,
3: I, yeah, I, I agree they, with you on do that. Do you agree, Chris? Like, yeah, it's not, they're, you're it, not
2: replicating
3: that. They have a track record of success. The, right. the difference is Miami goes on long playoff runs. Yes. Even when they're an eighth seed, yes. seventh seed, they find a way to win basketball again. Like, that's the missing piece to what – the Bulls keep saying, yes, is that they're not winning enough basketball games. Yes. And that's why the fan base is apathetic to this situation. Abdallah's here saying it doesn't matter, just vote for chaos. Yeah. Like they, they're comfortable. They're a comfortable franchise that's happy with the, the, the butts that are going to the United Center to sit in the seats for a team that's not actually competing for anything. That's the fact I, of the matter. That's that, where they're at that's that's well summed up like, there's that's there's what it young feels like you know the pacers have flown by them yeah they've got young players yes. who are trying to win games you know look at other teams the knicks were in the kind of the same mm-hmm. level as the bulls they've flown by the the bulls not only because their coach is really good but because they found a star player mm-hmm. and then paid him like a star and he's proven to lead the team and that's jalen brunson yeah like if zach levine would play like Jalen Brunson, we would not be in this situation. The problem is we paid a star who's not a star. It just
2: doesn't affect winning. Like, Jalen is affecting winning. That's true.
3: Tyrese Halliburton High affecting 100%, 100%, winning. 100%. Both boy. guys have been paid. Both <laughs> guys are leading their franchises. Both guys should be starting the All-Star game in the Eastern Conference this year. They could have drafted Halliburton. Zach Levine's not an All-Star. Nah. Yet you paid him like a Mac. You yeah, paid him I mean, as a top Tier player.
2: I'm just surprised to hear Kendall with like the warnings of be careful what you wish for. What what like what's gonna happen? What is the bad that comes out of that? They don't beat the Raptors on a night in January? Like that's the bad? Is that what Kendall's warning us? Like, okay. Ultimately. Don't you want to be a scary playoff team? I,
1: I just don't think they well, are. that's what you'd and, like to become. You'd like but, to become a championship. Team. Right, that's what I mean. Like, but so when you're a championship winning team, a game in January? Right. You, when yeah. you're a championship team, you're one of the top four teams in the league. You're a one or a two seed. Yeah, that's what you are. Otherwise, you're just an also ran. That's what you are. And wow. also ran with a superstar individual player that can get things done. The Bulls don't even have a superstar individual player. No, probably not. They've they got a don't. collection
2: of like a couple really good players.
1: Yes. Yeah. Three one two three
2: three two ESPN. If you've got a thought on it, plus more of your football calls coming up. Courtney Cronin joins us to talk Bears as they have now filled out their offensive coaching staff. We'll do that at about one thirty-five. We'll be right back.
0: Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Carmen and Yurko are back. No. No. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. No. Oh, well, talking about 235
2: right. with Waddle and Sylvie. Boys, we'll you home this later got this got afternoon. Back. Black and Abdallah tonight until 8. You can watch us and all the shows on YouTube. Click and subscribe. Get the notifications on all the fun stuff happening with the video content we do each and every day. You can watch on Twitch. And, of course, make sure you've got the ESPN Chicago app. Listen live. On demand, catch up anytime, anywhere. Vikings, Scott, and Crown Point with Carmen and Yurko on ESPN 1000. Scotty! Gentlemen,
6: I turned in, before I get to the football talk, turned a little late. Did I hear Yurko's going to the Purdue game tonight?
1: No, 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 no. I was talking uh, what the tickets were selling for at that Purdue game. So I got a
6: trivia question for the two of you. The earlier mat- rematch had a un- un- uh, horrible statistical stat. You guys can guess how many total free throws between Purdue, Northwestern were shot Two dozen donuts your way in the next couple days. How many total free throws and I'll give you were, uh, within. I'll give
2: you within three. Between, total
6: number of free throws. Between, Don't look it up. Between both teams? Between Northwestern and Purdue, yes.
2: Yeah, I'm not looking it uh, up. I'm going to say there were a lot of points scored in that. I'm going to say, uh, uh, I'll say 40. No, oh, gosh, maybe you're right, Juerk.
1: 40, I'm saying All right, 40. I'm going to say 28. 73. <laughs> 73 free throws.
6: Purdue shot 41 and Northwestern shot 32. That That's. I don't even know yes. how you can
2: watch a game like that, to be quite honest. And
6: trust me. You guys know me. Once football ends, I turn into full college basketball mode, but I still watch a lot of it. That's funny. And I'm telling you, it was a hard game
2: to watch. That's funny, I bet.
6: So so before I get to some uh, Lamar Jackson talk just based on what happened last weekend, obviously Carmen mentioned the other day the daughters are going to the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, the daughter felt when she reheard the podcast, our ESP 1000 app said uh, when it's a good time to be part of Viking Scott's clan, she got a kick out of that. So that's now on the chalkboard at the house. That's now on the chalkboard at the house there, Carl. That's funny. But uh, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson quickly. We can talk about the Super Bowl next week. Lamar Jackson's stats, do you guys think this year, 24 touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns. It's the worst quarterback stats of a supposed MVP. Do you think he is going to fall into that award this year, or just because nobody else had a really outstanding statistical
2: thing that he actually earned it? Uh, a little bit of both. I think it was a weird year. I think his performance against Brock Purdy in December made all the difference. Personally, if I had a vote, I've talked about this on the show. Remember, this is a regular season award. If right. I had a vote, my vote would go for Dak, would go to Dak Prescott. So last year, Mahomes had 41-4, and four, I believe,
6: so a total of 45. And if you go back through Rodgers, two back-to-backs, I promise you there's probably nobody under 35 combined. And even when Lamar won his in 19, I think he threw for 36, ran for yes. 6 or 7. Yes, so, I absolutely. mean, this is really a down year. And once again, now that he's 1-3 in, in the playoffs, and I know it wasn't all his fault, I'm not bashing him, but once again, you've got to perform. He's now lost three home games as a
2: 1- or a 2 seed. I know, as a favorite. I know, and Scotty, thanks, buddy. We'll talk Super Bowl next week. I know. Doesn't look good. The postseason resume doesn't look good. It's a weird year for MVP. Look, uh, Mahomes kind of had a little bit of a down year, working with younger and newer receivers,
1: and their offense wasn't as explosive. And Kelsey and them got over 1,000 yards, but it wasn't a Travis Kelsey year.
2: Right, well, right. Right, I'm just saying it wasn't a year. So Mahomes having a little bit of a down year. Rodgers played four snaps. Burrow was hurt a lot of the year. Allen struggled for the first half of the season, quite frankly. He really did. So it's a regular season award too. We've got to remember that. Yeah. And when I when we start talking about the usual suspects you know, you look at what those those things that we just brought up. It was an odd year. Personally, I would vote for Dak. It's not going to happen. I mean, Lamar's going to win this award. And it it is. It's going to be a, a statistically you're going to look at it and go, "Wow, how was It's going to be one of those weird baseball years from, like, way back in the day. If you're ever going through baseball reference, if you're a little bit younger and, you know, before different types of stats started becoming relevant and pertinent in baseball, you could go back and look through some years and be like, how'd that guy win the MVP? You know, I I do think we're going to look back on it much more than his 2019 campaign, where he still went 36-9 to touchdowns, interceptions, right? You can see that. You get that. This is going to be a year like twenty years from now. A young kid might look back and go, "How did Lamar win the MVP?" Right? That's just going to be
1: this year. Then you'll point to Christmas Day. I, well, that's what I was telling yeah, Scotty. Baltimore that, played San Francisco. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. You're probably right. That's where but, but, Purdy lost it, and that's where Lamar won it. In that context, would be lost on a twenty year
2: old. Right? You event. wouldn't understand. We it. would say that. Yeah. But so I think you're right. Like. You're going to, it'll pop up 20 years from now. You're going to be looking through pro football, uh, folk, uh, pro, pro football reference, excuse me, as a young kid, and it's going to like jump out. Like, how did he win it that year? Because it doesn't look like the rest of these years normally look. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just, who would you vote for if you had a vote this Brock year? Brock Purdy. You're, you would vote for Brock Purdy? Yeah. Okay. And listen, I mean, if you look at the advanced metrics of Purdy's season and and not even like, Diving too deep, but looking at a few of the bold numbers that you pointed out on his Pro Football Reference page from last week. Oh yeah. Hey, I I wouldn't. I I wouldn't argue with you too much on that. I'd vote for Dak. But okay,
1: if it was a league like baseball where the analytics have really kind of flooded it and overtaken it with uh, you know other specific numbers war and this and that. I think Purdy'd get it. I think people still try to or want to trust their eyes. And leadership at the quarterback position is still important. And then that head to head battle yeah. swayed whatever voters yeah. you needed to sway at that point. Steve's in Beecher. Hey, Steve.
7: John Jerkovic. You. Cheers. Steve Chisnayewski calling. Oh, Chizzy, this is our guy. The Mai Tai mm-hmm. guy over at the thing. Yeah, He's our Mai Tai guy. You're the yeah.
1: Mai Tai guy? The Mai Tai guy at uh, Wrigley Field and at uh, U.S. Cellular, wow.
7: Comiscular. I love that. What's up, yes. Chizzy?
1: How are you, my friend?
7: Yes. I want to talk about everybody talking about the quarterback from USC, how he's the next coming of Jordan Gretzky and Brady. I haven't heard that. All of okay. them combined. Also, Where'd yeah. you hear that? All of them
1: combined. I agree with you.
2: That's <laughs> okay. what he is being built up as. Yes. I missed that. I'm one. also
7: hearing that you can get three picks and a player for this man. There's
1: uh there are some outrageous trades that are out there, yes, that you can get three picks and maybe somebody.
7: Yes. My suggestion is trade this pick to New England. Take Harrison. Take a tackle from Penn State. Get a number one pick next year, and if you need that player, Christian Barmore. Hmm, Christian Barmore. You've got a lot of positions filled with that trade. Okay,
2: all right, that's what Chizzy wants. That's what Chizzy or Cheesy? Chizzy, Chisnasky, Chisnasky, Steve Chisnasky, good point. Yes, absolutely. From St. Andrew the Apostle Grade School. Okay? You're cool. on the books, my friend, For uh, if they pull that trade off. Okay. We know what Stevie wants. Where do you want to go here? Defensive else? tackle,
1: six five three fifteen. 315. Yeah. Let's go to... Good luck getting him. Oh, boy. How about Josh
2: and Columbus? What up, Josh?
5: Hey, boys. Appreciate you guys building my call. Sure. Hey, a pretty uh, impressive list of uh, national guests the station had on uh, last week and was kind of catching up with um, a lot of the uh, the reactions in the interviews. And I guess one thing that kind of stuck out to me is it feels like, you know, maybe at least from like a national perspective, um, a lot of the talking heads are kind of prematurely giving Ryan Poles a pat on the back for making a tough decision with the quarterback. Um, while also kind of giving him a pass for failing to make a tough decision on the coach. And, mm. like, a lot of the reasoning and a lot of the narrative with the quarterback, and at least in my opinion because I subscribe to it, like also applies to the coach, right? Like, Greg Olson says something along the lines of, like, you have an unprecedented opportunity to upgrade the quarterback. But, like, you also have a pretty unprecedented offseason of available head coaches. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that either one of those guys would, you know, fit into – You know, the, the, the realm of, you know, Ryan Pole's operation, but, you know, to, to not move forward with at least talking to Harbaugh or Vrabel and just running it back with, with Eberscoach to me doesn't make a ton of sense, right? And then you got Daniel Jeremiah who says something along the lines of like going into next year, like you got the fourth best quarterback. Well, guys, you also got the fourth best head coach. And because Ben Johnson is returning, you got the fourth best play caller. You know, it, it just it, it, to me, they're not separate decisions. Like they're two legs of the same decision, and you're putting all your eggs in the basket of a two-year head coach who's underachieved, an offensive coordinator who, by most measurable statistics, uh, was worse than what we had last year, and a rookie quarterback.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't know how much worse. I don't know where people are getting how much worse Waldron was. Seattle's offense was not worse than the Bears last year. I don't know where people are getting that. Um, yeah, it was. Fun.
5: I mean, no, the, it wasn't. <laughs> the Bears, had, the Bears had more total yards. Yeah, but it wasn't were, not from it,
2: from an EPA standpoint. From a it, it was not it was not worse than the Bears' offense. I don't know where people are getting that. I'm who was, I, who was better on third down and who was better in the red zone. The bear. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I again, I don't want to tell you that Shane Waldron's going to be the end all, be all and fix everything, Josh. I'm not sure. I hope he does, but I, I've heard that a few times that the Bears' offense was better than Seattle's. It really wasn't.
5: In uh, DVOA, the uh, Seahawks were 12th, and the Bears were
2: 22nd. I don't. I don't. I, I honestly, I can't kind of wrap my head around where people are getting that from. And can I find a few statistics, maybe? But big picture, the Seattle offense was not worse than the Bears' offense. I don't. I don't know where that's coming from. I've heard that from a few people. But Josh, thanks. I, look, we've we Waddle and Sylvie have been all over that. We've talked about it, like. Shouldn't you always be looking to upgrade if you have a chance to? They deemed their coach as the guy they want to move forward with, so they didn't bother interviewing anybody. If they made that determination right after the year, okay, I hope they're right. There's nothing else we can say about it. We have voiced our opinion. I hope they're right. I hope a year or two from now we're not sitting back here like, guess what, the Bears have to change coaches again because Eberflus wasn't the guy. Normal course of Bears history tells us, They're going to be right back to where they
1: started a couple of years ago. Let's hope this time they did it right. The normal course of history will tell you there's between six and eight coaches that get fired every single year. Now, you look at some of those coaches that have been around this league a long time. Andy Reid. Andy Reid hasn't been, you know, Kansas City's one of those teams. New England didn't have to worry about anything for a long time. Seattle didn't have to worry about anything for a long time. They decided to jettison both of their coaches. So odds are, within a four- or five-year period, unless you're one of the top three teams in the league. I hope it's not next year. Or either. you're as stubborn as Pittsburgh is, that eventually your number ends up getting called. And that's fine. Like, if it's five years from now, that's fine. And, and Something might have went right then. You know m- what I mean? Most of the time, it's underperformance of individual players. Yeah.
2: All that right. Sink your team. And injuries. Courtney Cronin is going to join us coming up next. We'll be right back.
0: Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Carmen and Yurko are back. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago.
2: Just real quick here to clean up one thing from Josh's call and again I've heard this from a few people that the Bears are do uh, Shane Waldron's worse and maybe he will be. I really don't know but like they screwed up. Shane Waldron's worse than Luke Getzey. The Bears' offense was better than Seattle's. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Uh, the Bears were better on third down. The Bears were better in the red zone. Okay, but EPA per play. Seattle 10th, Bears 21st. Total success rate. Seattle 10th, Bears 19th. DVOA adjusted for offense. Seattle 12th, Bears 22nd. Dropback success rate. Seattle 12th, Bears 26th. Yards per play, Seattle 10th, Bears 22nd. Net yards per attempt, Seattle 10th, Bears 24th. Points per game was close. Seattle was still better, 17th, Bears were 18th. First downs, Seattle 17th, Bears 25th. I don't know where people are getting the idea that the Seattle offense was worse than
1: the Chicago Bears offense. I'm not sure I, I, where when, that's coming from. handful of teams I never watched, Seattle's one of them. Well, only because there's so much time in the day, and there's other games that are being, and I've got more interest in other games. Believe me when I tell you their offense was not worse than the Chicago Bears offense. Right. So I can't sit here and give you a a learned thought. I would have to go to the stats to find out which offense would be or would not be better. I just don't know where that's come from or where it was written
2: that people are, like, grabbing onto that. Oh, the Bears offense was better than Seattle's. Why did they get Shane Waldron? no. The Bears' offense most certainly was not right. better
1: than Seattle. I think it's time for me to educate people a little bit on what uh, does and doesn't need to be done by a coach. This is what coaching is. Coaching is you identify the players you have and the people you have, and then you get the very best out of them. That's what coaching is. That's what you try to do, okay? Get the best out of the individuals. Sometimes you've got to understand what the limitations of the individuals are. Sometimes you've got not only physically but also mentally, you cannot overpopulate a player's mind with thought if that's going to hurt him on the football field. So that's what coaches do. Now, he was somewhat successful in Seattle. His job here in Chicago might be even more challenging, but that's what you brought him in for because he was able to do it at a somewhat successful level in Seattle. Maybe he comes to Chicago, but that's the task at hand for a coach is to get the best out of the players and put the players in the best position to make plays let's bring in courtney
2: cronin and she joins us on the car x tire and auto guest hotline at courtney r cronin on x make sure you follow her she's got some good stuff about uh, you know the way the quarterback market might shake out with a bunch of the other nfl insiders uh, and nfl nation writers on espn.com this morning we read you some of that before i heard you make the point yesterday courtney with pat the designer on the podcast that you liked this process because at least the Bears weren't just sticking in their comfort zone, going with a bunch of guys that Matt Eberflus knew that he'd coached with in the past. Um, I think that's, I think it's a it's a salient point and and one that needs to be repeated. Um, why is that valuable, you think, for this offense going forward?
8: Well, they got a nice pool of candidates, and I, for one, like I, you know, I was skeptical when when we had heard. If you go back. I guess it would have been four weeks ago today when they decided to fire Luke Getze and four other coaches and retain Matt Eberflus. You know, naturally, a coach who at that point doesn't have a contract extension, and the thought of you know perpetuating the cycle if they do end up moving on from Justin Fields and getting a, a rookie quarterback and pairing him with a. You know, a coach who's going into a must-win year, like it, it just—I it, didn't feel at that point like it was setting, like they were setting themselves up for the the widest of coaching searches, the best of coaching searches. But I will say, I mean, even with the offensive court, with the offensive coordinator position alone, to interview nine coaches for one position. Four that came from the same tree. Really, five if you threw Clint Kubiak in there. They did their due diligence, and I think you know Shane Waldron's name was the first one that came up in the coaching search. They landed that name. I mean, the first one we heard is the one that they landed, and of course, he was getting you know looks from uh, the New Orleans Saints, and they did it in a timely manner. You know, this this staff that they're assembling right now. Aside from the offensive coordinator, like, these are these are all people that Shane Waldron has coached with. So for him to be able to convince Thomas Brown, uh, Chad Morton, uh, you know, Kerry Joseph to come with him from Seattle or from Los Angeles where they overlap prior and be part of this staff, I think that, you know, that's obviously a very good sign that Waldron's building an offensive staff with guys that he feels can run and deploy the the system that he, had in the last couple of years, and the system that you know is prevalent across the NFL. But big picture wise, the Bears have really done their due diligence here, and that's you know, I don't think it's fair for people to take victory laps one way or the other just yet and say, man, these are awesome hires. It's going to be so much better than you know the previous staff. Man, this is an awful hire. Like, how do you know? Like, I, I can't stand when I see that stuff on social media because, frankly people who are saying that don't honestly have a damn clue if the hires are going to pan out or not. What you can be happy with, though, is the process, because it's not falling into the category of this is the way that we've always done things, promote from within only, or hire people that you've worked with before only. Like, this is a a very thorough search, and they've got what we know on paper, at least, and certainly from other experiences uh, that you can like track record-wise, good teachers. That's one of the first like things that Matt Eberflus talked about needing in his coaching staff, people who can teach. And like Yerko was saying, that means knowing the limitations of your players. That means knowing what they can do, what they can't do, what they need to get better at, and being able to tangibly show them how to get from point A to point Z and show that growth that maybe the offense lacked, and certain players lacked last year because of the coaching element, uh, and where that fell in in you know kind of that pie chart of blame for what went wrong offensively.
2: How many teams you think are going to kick the tires on Justin Fields and call the Bears and at least inquire? You know, and I wonder how that would compare to how many teams are calling to talk about moving up to number one. I mean, the, the only reason I would think that pool is a little small is because you're. Probably only talking about a handful of teams somewhere within the top ten that can feasibly make that happen. Otherwise, the jump is too big. But what kind of calls is is Polls going to get about Fields this off
1: season?
8: Right, and you mentioned that article that we did. It was an exercise uh, across the league about the quarterback movement that we could see. And you know, I would you know, the Raiders were the team that that I orchestrated a trade with here in the proposals that you know, we, that I received in this exercise. Like, Atlanta obviously makes sense, but does it make sense for them to want to move up, you know, give up the eighth overall pick, which has been brought up a couple of different times? Uh, certainly, if they, they're offering that, if you're the Bears, you take that. Yes. I'm sorry. Like, yes. well, no matter what you think about Justin Fields, that falls into the offer-you-can't-refuse category. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Raiders make sense. The, the Atlanta Falcons make sense. There's a probably anywhere from like two to four teams that I could see viewing Justin Fields and his skill set, bringing him in and giving him a second chance on, on you know, re- of, of where, you know, kind of, I don't want to say resurrecting his career, because I don't feel like his career has really taken off yet. But continuing the progression that we saw from him in the second half of the season, when he came back from injury, there will be teams who say, we can be the ones to. Him to reach his fullest potential. That always happens in the NFL. And when you take a look at trade value and what what a player like him could command in a trade, I think you have to go back to you know the, the most recent example of that is Josh Rosen getting a second round pick from Miami when they hired a new staff, they brought in a first year uh, head coach, a first year you know, and then used the first overall pick on Kyler Murray. Like It should be no less than a second-round pick for someone like jo- Justin Fields because he's much more proven than a Josh Rosen was in the team that went 3-10 and 10 that year before he got shipped off somewhere else. And there, there will inevitably be somebody out there who thinks that their staff is the one to get the most out of Justin. Now, whether that happens or not remains to be seen, but it's not as if the Bears will not get any calls on this quarterback. Whether they want to do anything with it is a different story.
2: All right. Prediction on what happens with Jalen Johnson come uh, March. Contract extension or franchise tag?
8: If this thing goes to a franchise tag, after all the talking that's been done by both sides about how, you know, with what Ryan Pohl said a couple weeks ago, that he's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. like, you don't say if you're going to tag someone. So I, I would like to think that, the silence right now is not necessarily indicative of how far apart both sides are, but rather that this is the negotiating process coming back to the table. They weren't just jumping right into this right away at the end of the season when they had a coaching staff that they had to figure out. Um, and the hires and the process there, you typically don't see extensions for players you know, lined up until February, March. I mean, certainly the start of the new year triggers a lot, but mm-hmm. I think he gets an extension before the start of the new league year what, around St. Patrick's Day, and I don't think he gets franchised back.
2: Got it. Good stuff. All right, Courtney, thank you. Good article today. We'll talk to you soon, all right?
8: Thank you, guys. Take care. See and congrats you. on the extra hour. I think Thanks. it's awesome. Oh, we
2: well, thank it, you, Courtney. Thank you. All There's all right. Courtney Bye, Cronin on the CARX and Auto Guest Hotline. Make sure you follow her on Twitter on X. She's a must-follow for all the Latest and greatest, and uh, check out what
1: she and some of the other NFL reporters did on ESPN.com today. It's a good story. Sometimes it also means when he's not going anywhere, we've got the franchise in tag in pocket. our back pocket. So. I
2: think she, I like the way she summed that up. Though they yeah. did have some other pressing issues, they had to replace right. a lot of coaches. Yeah. It would stand a reason that they right. get a and longer they, term they, deal
1: done with him. They both, I think, were amicable in the fact they wanted to get a deal done. Yes. Then at the end of the year, Jalen Johnson says, "Well, now I've reset the market." <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. We'll see. We'll see. And, and that's in essence what your negotiators are saying. Right. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. You probably have. Yeah. But we hope now, now that you've reset the market, we hope you can be patient. I we were going to set the market. Yeah. It's Carmen and Yurko. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Listen to us now. Live on the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago.
2: There was news yesterday about the Bears in the stadium deal, or lack thereof. The Bears in local schools in Arlington Heights are $100 million apart on the property tax valuation in the former Arlington International Race Course. The huge gap means the two sides, and I'm reading from the Trib's story yesterday. The huge gap means that the two sides are likely to have difficulty reaching a compromise on the value and further complicates the team's plan to move to Arlington Heights. The ongoing issue came up Tuesday during a meeting of the Cook County Board of Tax Review, the Bears presented two appraisals for $60 million and $71 million, right. board review officials said. The key to the Bears' appraisal was categorizing the property as vacant residential land, which gets taxed at 10% of market value. The local school districts have the land valued at $160 million. The Palatine Community... Consolidated School District 15 appraised classified appraisal, excuse me, classified the land for commercial use, which puts it into the twenty five percent tax bracket. I don't know. It's a lot of like taxi numbery. Well, out of my realm stuff. So so
1: the the Bears are playing games by calling it residential. They are when they know it's not residential. That's true. They know ultimately it partly could be residential, commercial a lot um, and with the stadium on board. So what's your percentage residential compared to commercial? So they're playing their game. And then, the, and then Cook district. County and the school districts want to play their game, right? where it's worth more than that, the vacant piece of land that you have, with nothing on it generating zero revenue. right? And they want to make sure that they know it's a commercial business, as opposed to acknowledging that there could be residential units on that property eventually. It's a lot so of games. that's what you got. Right? Like, Politics in yeah. Cook County. Yeah, nothing shadier in the world. Nothing. And I grew up here and I grew up in Calumet City and I knew I've known, and a lot of our mayors find a way to get to jail sometimes over there. Well, our governors, Not all of them. our governors, our governors. Well, I mean, listen, we've we've had our own things going on down there. All right. So all I'm saying is a lot of that when it works. comes to Cook County politics. Yes. Oof. This goes back to the
2: 19th century, quite frankly. Yeah. You can read oh, about the history forever. of Chicago. Forever,
1: yeah. It's forever, some of the, uh, the, the
2: slimiest worst of right. the worst. Yeah. I mean, this read is... The devil, uh, devil in the yeah. White City.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, you could, there's, there's plenty out there. I don't know if you've watched any of Ben Bradley's reports on what's happening in Dalton, Illinois. Mm. Uh, watch some Ben Bradley stuff. So I won't mention anything. Just okay. Dalton, Illinois and Ben Bradley, and you will find some of the investigative reporting that he's done. Yeah, we're notoriously like the worst of the
2: worst. Um, Cook County. That, that's not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cook yeah. County, yeah, I mean, it's the city of Chicago, Cook County.
1: Again, this is, well, this the, is well-researched going back to the 1800s. Really, everything, and so much repetitive government. Yeah. Uh, on top of government, on top of government, on top of government, on top of government, on top of government. How many different layers of government does one need? Mm. But yeah, it the, seems that Cook County has the most. There's a lot of, like, it's just a bunch of games At right now. At least it I, feels that way.
2: Who knows what happens yeah. with this? I, it seemed like kind of a no brainer that it would be Arlington Heights. Who the hell knows? If they're still 100 million apart and
1: they're going to fight and quibble over this. And uh, I understand the school district needs a little bit of cash. That used to be a very productive piece of property that generated a lot of revenue for the school districts and the schools. I get that. But it also becomes a valuable piece of property for them when it is up
2: and running and there is great tax revenue well, pumping ever, through there, right? If it
1: ever pumps to all residential. You know, at least, so what if it? What if they sell it and it's 80% residential, 20% commercial? Then it's not nearly as much. Well, there you go. Then the other
2: like tax thing was what Rob Manfred told Crane's Chicago Business earlier this week and that he's supportive of a new White Sox stadium and he thinks it would be a quote unquote game changer in the South Loop. But he thinks that there would be no new tax money involved in that, but... What would probably happen is they roll over the hotel tax that Reinsdorf got put in place in the late 80s to help fund the building of New Comiskey Park and that that tax would continue to go to paying off new bonds on money that would be borrowed to build a stadium in the South Loop. You know, so like Yurk always says, the devil in the details. When you hear no new taxes devil's in the details and what they really mean but manfred is supportive of it but he thinks it would be done requiring no new taxes and that would be interesting to see if they could actually pull something like that off two new stadiums may be going up in chicago in the next decade who the hell knows though i mean we're nowhere near we're no closer today than we were a year ago on the Bears opening up a brand-new, beautiful building at some point.
1: Like, so, not one iota closer. Really, did, are we? What did Manfred say? No new taxes? Yes. Which means whichever existing yes. taxes. which means like that. would just would go over and become part of the financing for the new stadium. There's your devil in the details. Yeah, like, no, right? no new taxes. Read my lips. But how no about, new taxes. How about an increase of the existing taxes? Oof. That doesn't say that, does it? This is very yeah. Uh, a Bush one, it sounds like oh, to yeah. me. <laughs> on oh here.
5: yeah, be careful.
2: Thousand points of light. No, no weapons of mass description. Thousand points of
4: light. WMDs. <laughs> no. We'll be back in two minutes.